0: So how many of you guys will probably participate in one way or another in the Pray First, um, our yearly fasting and prayer thing? Okay, so that's going to be starting this weekend. And during the week on Wednesday, we're going to be touching on different topics about prayer. Um, And so I am beginning with uh, why pray. Matthew 21, verse 12 through 13 says, Then Jesus went into the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those uh, selling doves, and he declared to them, It is written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. God, Jesus said, My house, that is the church, should be a place... Of prayer. Someone once said, It's a lot easier to do something when you know why. Now, for some of us, praying for three minutes is a breeze. For some of us, we're like, Well, after I prayed for the food, and after I prayed for, you know, I wasn't sure where to go. And today I want to talk about that. What we were, why? Why is it that we pray? What is the purpose of prayer? And I get to go to my favorite verse in the Bible. Acts chapter 17 is is one of my favorite sections because in it, Paul is talking to the people of Athens and he, he capsulizes the gospel. He says to a group of people who know nothing about God, who God is, what God did, and why he did it. And so for me, I just, I don't know. As a preacher who's reading the entire Bible, they hear it all just capsulized in a little section. I just like that verse. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. Here it is, verse 27. God did this. Now, what's the this? This is referring to the creation of the entire world, the population of the entire world from one couple. All of that. He did all of that so that they, the people he created, that's you and me, Would seek him. Everything was so that we would seek him. And perhaps reach out for him. And find him. Though he is not far away. From any one of us. The number one reason. That we pray. Is to communicate with God. And as radical as this may seem. That is one of the primary purposes for which you and I were created. How many of you guys remember when long distance cost a lot? Okay, nowadays it's like, I, you know, I'm getting calls from California, Utah, on my phone, and I, I meet people, and, and I'm like, what's your phone number? And I go right down 616, and they're like, it's you know, 719, and I'm like, well, how long have you lived in Michigan? Well, you know, five years. I'm like, are you going to change your number? Nah, I'll keep my California number. I'll keep my... There is no long distance anymore. But how many remember when it, when it cost a lot and you could run up a bill? I remember <laughs> in, in. I lived on the line of Hudsonville, and now I know if I was a little kid, I don't remember what we were next to. I guess Allendale, Hudsonville, right in there. And my next door neighbor had built his house with a long driveway. And it was long distance to call across the street to him because the line was right there. And eventually, he ended up building a little shed closer to the road and then running the telephone line to there and then off again so that he could do that. But how many of you <coughs> dated when long distance calls were expensive? Anybody rack up a long, a, a big bill at some point just talking away? You, know, you ever realize, like... Does does it matter what you talk about? Did it it really matter? No. Because you were in love and you just enjoyed communion. You could talk about, it doesn't matter. My wife called me today to tell me about this dinner that they had at, at work. And they had this lunch and learn. And this lady bit into her apple and found a worm. She spent 10, 15 minutes driving home telling me about that. I loved it. Now, it, didn't, it, it wasn't like life-changing to me, but I loved hearing what was going on with her. See, God created us for communion with Him. He wants to be in communion with us. When we talk to God, He he enjoys it. He said, wow, that's what I did it for. <clears throat> I, I go into my, my teenage son's room every once in a while. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Tell me. And he looks at me so weird. Like, what, what, what do you want? I'm like, well, just to talk. About what? I'm like, well, anything you pick. You know why? Because I value just communion. It doesn't matter. If he wants to tell me about something deep, cool. If he'll he'll just talk about something boring, I want to listen. And in a way, that's what God has said to you and I. He says, I am, I created, I did all of this because I wanted communion with you. When we open the Bible and we read, what were Adam and Eve doing with God? It says, in the cool of the day, they talked. I mean, you think it's, it's challenging talking to your spouse or your kid about the same thing over and over. Imagine God. He already knows what happened. But he still wants to have communion with us. And, and a lot of us have that idea. Well, doesn't God already know what I'm going to say before I'm going to say it? Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, And when you pray... Do not babble on like the pagans, for they think that by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. So yes, God does know what you need. But here's what's interesting, is then God says, I know what you need. But then he goes on to say, this is is the verse right before the Lord's Prayer. He says, then he goes on to say, When you pray, ask me to supply for those needs. Ask me to supply your daily bread. Why, if he knows what you're going to say, does God ask you to say it anyway? Why, if he knows what you're going to say, does he ask you to say it anyway? John Wesley, the founder of the Wesleyan denomination, he said something uh, very profound. He said this, as we look at scripture, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life. He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Now, a lot of us have this idea of God and, and we, we just think, well, God just does anything he wants to, anytime he wants to. But let's look at Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We're back at the beginning. God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that I can rule over them. Is that what it says? Anybody reading along? No, it says, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and in the wild animals and all, over all of the creatures that move along the ground. You see, when God created the world, he could have made the world his own blob of clay that he just does everything with and, and, and we just robots, we just get moved around. And we, but he chose not to. God gave us free will. He wanted meaningful relationship. Remember, he made us so that we would reach out for him. And I've used this example before, but if someone comes and puts a gun to my wife's head and says, tell your husband you love him, she says, I love you, Josh. It doesn't really mean anything. But when she doesn't have to, when out of all the guys in the world that, that, that she could have wooed, she chose me. And she says, Josh, I love you. Oh, that means something. God did, created the world so that he could have relationship with us, so that we would seek him out. And he, the Bible says, he made us in his own image. And he made us to rule over the earth. He gave us... Dominion. He gave us authority. He gave us a degree of power. Let's go to Psalms chapter, it's either 6 8 or 8 6. Oh, it's 8 verses 4 through 6. It says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet. God created the world, and he gave dominion over it to man. Now, it gets interesting because we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says the God of this age, speaking of Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The New Living Translation says it this way. It says Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. They are, un- they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. This verse... Tells us that Satan has authority. How many of you remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil and he was taken for 40 days into the desert? <clears throat> if you were the devil, you'd come with your A game, wouldn't you? I mean, you got this chance, you've got Jesus all by himself. What are you going to do? And the Bible says that that he took him up to a high place and he told him that authority over all this has been given to me and if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you that authority. Anyone ever think, why in the world would Jesus be tempted to have authority How could how could the devil have authority that Jesus didn't already have? Anybody ever thought about that? Like, was, was the devil just bluffing? No. You see, man was given authority, and then when man sinned, he transferred that authority to Satan. And Satan, the Bible says, God of this age, that means it's not forever. Just for a certain period of time, Satan has a limited amount of authority. And he said, hey, I'm willing to give that to you, Jesus, if you'll just worship me. Where did that authority come from? Us. Us. See, the reason that God asks you and I to pray is because We authorize his intervention on earth. I want you to to think about that again. Your prayers authorize God's intervention on earth. Why does God say pray for the things that he knows you need? Why does he say in in 2 Peter, he says that he wills that all people would repent and come to a saving knowledge of him. It is God's will, his desire, that every person repents. Here's my question. Will every person repent? No. But it is God's will? Yes. Yes. What did Jesus tell the disciples to pray for? He said, pray for laborers because the harvest is great and the laborers are few. God says, what I desire, I'm asking you to pray for it so I can do it because you were given authority here on earth. I gave you that authority. And when you pray, you give me authority to intervene. A lot of times we have this idea, oh, why would I bother praying? I mean, God knows that I want to be blessed. God knows that I don't want to get in a car accident. God knows I don't want to be sick. God knows that that I don't want them to be What's the point? The point is that you were created in God's image. You have authority. And your prayers authorize God's supernatural intervention on your part. I keep using my wife as example today. I'm going to keep going. I didn't ask her about this one. So... How many of you guys have had any fun sliding around in the, the snow lately? When I lived in Mexico, people would ask me about what it's like to, you know, being in the winter and stuff. I tell them I miss driving sideways. I, I love the, the, the snow. But my wife was telling me a story about yesterday, I think it was, she was driving down Baldwin and she came down a hill and the car in front of her starts to slide sideways. Well, let me back up with a story. Before she gets to that hill, she's driving down the previous hill and has this vision of cars around her sliding. So she rebukes it and then just keeps going. She gets to the next hill, she starts going down, and the car in front of her starts to slide, spins around backwards, is going into oncoming traffic. She looks, in, you know how you do this, you look in the rear view mirror and you want to see, you know, how, how close is the person behind me if I put on my brakes. That person is also sliding going around. She said, I had my coffee cup in my hand and I was like putting it down to the, to the center and they both made it back in and everybody went on their way. Now, she told me the story, she told me about that vision that she had and I said, I said, honey, I believe that what you said when you prayed one hill before impacted what happened to you on that hill. Now, does God already know that, that we don't want to be in a car accident? Yes, He does. But there are spiritual principles and laws in place the Bible says that he, God has exalted his word above his name. What that means is that God doesn't break the rules, his word. He has set things in motion. Why did Jesus have to do- If God just does anything that he wants, why didn't he just save us without sending Jesus? Because there are spiritual principles, legal principles, issues and one of those issues is authority that has to be dealt with the reason you and I pray is to authorize to grant give our authority the authority that was given to us to transfer that to God and say I want you to intervene on my behalf and he says oh I'm so glad you said you rebuked those people from sliding into you angels keep them away from the car Why do we pray? We pray because God is waiting. He is, it is our authority that he is acting on because God himself gave that authority to us. I already told, mentioned 2 Peter 3. Talked a little bit about Matthew 6, 9. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how many of you ever thought about that? Why is his will done differently in heaven than on earth? I mean, he's God. And the answer is, because here on earth, at least temporarily, someone else has dominion, not God. So... In order for his will to be done on earth, just like it is in heaven, where he is, does, still, he has, didn't give anyone else dominion. Then we have to speak his will and authorize him to act. The Bible says in 1 John Chapter 5, verse 14, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. You see, He, He wills a lot of these things to happen. But the verse says, you've got to ask for it. You have to ask for it because God gave you dominion. He made the earth for you to rule over. Some of you have heard this before. It's all old news. Some of you are like, whoa, whoa. If you don't believe me, keep reading the scriptures because it's not me that that that's talking here. This is this is the Bible that says all of these things. There are multiple types of prayers. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 18. It says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. It says all kinds of prayers. Pretty much, I, I want to. Focus on that, situ- that statement. All kinds of prayers obviously means there's more than one kind. How many of you guys like sports? How many of you are good at sports? Okay. So if, if I find somebody, somebody, somebody raise your hand who's good at basketball. All right. I saw a hand back there. How are you at gymnastics? Not as good. It's a sport. You're good at basketball? How about soccer? That's so what anybody really good at soccer? We got a soccer player here. How are you at basketball? Not as good? Good? You know, we've got some people all around realize they have totally different rules, don't they? I want you to imagine someone trying to play basketball with soccer rules. Don't touch the ball with your hands. See, there are different kinds of prayer. And I want to show you guys how each type of prayer have different guidelines. And sometimes we will try to pray using the guidelines for... it. it, it, Prayer is like the sport world. There's all kinds of different types. But I can't play basketball with soccer rules. And I have to pay attention when I'm looking at prayer. So first type of prayer we're going to look at is the prayer of faith. Matthew 12 or 21:22 says if you believe you will receive uh, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Mark 11:24 says therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you receive it and it will be yours. James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is pretty strong speech, wouldn't you agree? You've got to believe, you've got to stand firm. If you're doubting, if you're wavering, don't expect an answer because it doesn't work that way. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. We don't have time to talk. We could do an entire series just on the prayer of faith. But that is a type of prayer. Now let's look at a second type of prayer, the prayer of consecration. This prayer is to consecrate our lives for God's use, for a purpose. Perhaps to do something in particular, to go anywhere, to do anything. In this prayer, we would say, if it be your will. Here's an example. Matthew chapter 26, 39, going a little further, he, talking of Jesus, fell face down and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Context. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested, beaten, flogged, and crucified for your sins and mine. He knows what's coming. He's not excited. It's going to hurt. How many of you have ever like braced yourself for something you knew was coming? It's like, okay, here it comes. It's like you can almost feel it before it happens. The Bible says that he sweated blood. Doctors tell us that under enough stress, the capillaries near your sweat glands can actually burst. And you can sweat blood. This was challenging. Verse 42, just a couple of verses later, it says, And a second time he went away, and he prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, in other words, if there is no other way to accomplish what my death and resurrection will do, then may your will be done. Was Jesus a double-minded one wavering person who couldn't shouldn't expect to get anything from God. <laughs> no. One thing we know about Jesus is he got it right. But if we were to try to characterize that prayer as a prayer of faith, we would say, you know, "Oh, can't use your hands." You know, every prayer you've got to just throw a caveat on the end. But who knows? Maybe whatever, your will be done. See, a lot of people have taken the rules for a prayer of consecration and applied it to the prayer of faith, to the prayer of petition, to the prayer of intercessory. They they speaking They they've gone and they've said these rules must apply to every single sport. And so you've got basketball players out there trying to make baskets without their hands. People who are trying to have the prayer of faith, but ending every single one of them. But only if it's your will. If you really want us to stay sick, we'll do it. No, that's not how it works. Those prayers are different types of prayers for different reasons. The prayer of faith is a prayer to change things. The prayer of consecration is to offer ourselves to God for his use. Jesus was offering himself to God for his use. And he said, it's going to be tough. If there's another way, I'll take it. But if not, your will be done. Prayer of commitment, a third one. Psalms, chapter 37, verse 5, says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will do it. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7, says, Cast all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. How many of you have had a use for that prayer before? God, I just give all of this stress, I give all of this worry i give all of this sense of of overwhelming responsibility i just give that to you take it that's a type of prayer the prayer of commitment number 4 is a prayer of worship luke chapter 24 52 to 53 then They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. We talked a little bit about this at the beginning when we said we were made for communion with Him. One of the types of prayers that we we should have that we were made for is a prayer. There's a time and a place for the. Prayer of faith where we're we're changing what's going on. There's a time and a place for a prayer of commitment when we're offering ourselves to God for his purposes. There's a time and a place for those prayers, but there's also a time and a place for just a, God, you rock. You are wonderful. We read Psalms and we see where David just goes off about how wonderful and, and great God is and all the wonderful things that he's done for him. And you lead me like a sheep by still waters and you provide for me and you do these things, God says, I like those. They're not the only kind of prayer, but they are a kind of prayer. There is the prayer of agreement. Matthew 18 through 20 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, notice, who is doing the binding and loosing? Us. God doesn't say, and whatever I do up here, it's gonna eventually trickle down. God's not into trickle down economics, he's in trickle up economics. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, I truly, truly I tell you that if any two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. We have other scriptures that talk about where one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. There are spiritual principles involved in synergy, how the sum of the parts is greater than, or the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, is a synergy where when we come together, two of us can accomplish more together than the two of us could accomplish individually. There is a special kind of prayer and power that comes from a prayer of agreement. Number six, prayer in the spirit, a.k.a. Praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 14 through 15 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Acts 2, 4 says, And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, we can talk an entire week about each one of these types of prayers. But... It is another reason. One of the other reasons that I pray is so that I can communicate spirit to spirit with God. Not so that my own intellect is is edified, but so that my spirit man is edified. That I can speak what my spirit sees and knows directly to God. Almost any time, that I'm asked to pray. One of the first things I do is just start praying in the Spirit. Now, I'm not sure exactly what I should pray, Lord, but I know my Spirit can speak right to you and he can give me ideas. And I find that after I have prayed in the Spirit that the, the other things come up bubbling. It's like, you know, maybe you should pray about this. Maybe you should pray about that. Maybe you should pray about the other thing. So I pray in the Spirit and then I then I say some things in my understanding and I declare some things and I, I bind some things or I bless some things or I do whatever. And then I'll pray some more in the Spirit and i I'll go back and forth. Unlike soccer and basketball, you can kind of go in and out between, you know, one or two different types of prayers. And oftentimes they work together like fingers on a hand. Number seven, a united prayer. In Acts chapter 4, 23 through 31, we have the story Of Peter and John and they went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them and when they heard this they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord they said you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant our father David why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain and the kingdoms the kings of the earth rise up And rulers band together against the Lord and against the anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of the earth in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power (coughs) and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken." How many of you would like to be in a prayer meeting like that one? Woo! Sign me up. Then it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. I find it interesting that verse 31 says they spoke the word of God boldly. In verse 29, they asked to speak the word of God boldly. Right there, two verses later, they had a united prayer, and their prayer was already answered. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 talks about the prayer of supplication. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition, or other translations say supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Ephesians 6 says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, or supplications in other translations. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's A supplication is a fervent, earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. It talks about keep on praying. Matthew 9, 38 says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It's a good example. We keep on praying that prayer. God says, when you pray, pray that. Keep on praying because I'm going to send laborers. And when you pray the next time, I'm going to send some more. And then when you pray it again, I'm going to send some more. Number nine, intercessory prayer. This is a prayer standing in the gap for person or persons. Praying on behalf of another person. Often to withhold judgment. Psalms 106:23 says, So he said he would destroy them had not Moses his chosen one stood in the breach before them to keep his wrath from destroying them. We're running short on time, so I won't read the entire account, but in Exodus 32, chapter, verses 7 through 14, you can see the whole story of how God came down and he said, the Israelites are on my last nerve. They just keep blowing it over and over and over again. And Moses stood in. And he said, give him grace. Remember when Abraham said, God, would you destroy the city if you found just 50 righteous? What if you found just 40 righteous? What if you found just 30 righteous? There are many examples over and over of intercessory prayer. I've got to close with this verse. Verse. Or these, this couple verses. Job chapter 9 verse 32. Now think about this for a second. Job chronologically. Now we know Genesis tells the story of creation. So we start there. But how many of you realize Genesis wasn't written at creation? Genesis was written, inspired by God, but written by Moses. Before Moses wrote down the story that God had given him. Of Genesis, Job had already been written. Chronologically, Job is the oldest book in the Bible, the first one to be written. This is what Job says. In the Amplified Version, Job chapter 9, verse 32, it says, For God is not a mere man as I am, that I may answer him, that we may go to court and judgment together. Job is saying, Verse 33, it says, there is no arbitrator. Let's keep going after verse 32. It says, that we may go to court and judgment together. There is no arbitrator between us who could lay his hand upon us both. Oh, I would that there were. This is Job saying, I wish there was an arbitrator. God saw that problem. He solved it. Isaiah 59, verse 6 says, He saw that there was no one who was appalled, that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. First Timothy, first 1, uh, one first Timothy, chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. That man is Christ Jesus. There was a need for an intermediary between God and man. And God sent Jesus to be that man, to be that intercessor. Why, when we pray, do we say, in Jesus' name? Because our prayers go to God through Jesus Christ there is one intermediary. There was a time in the Old Testament if you wanted to say something to God, if you wanted to hear from God, you didn't say, hey, God, what's going on? You went to the prophet. You went to the priest and you said, hey, this is my deal. You think you can figure something out for me? And priest would go and he would talk to God and then God would talk to the priest and the priest would come back. And remember, Moses used to go up on the hill and he would talk to God and then he'd come back and he would tell the Israelites all about it and then then he'd go back up to the, the thing, and you remember the whole part where his face would glow? He'd be so in the presence of God, and he'd come back, and they'd just be like, whoa! That's not how it works anymore. When we pray, Jesus is our intermediary. We don't need to go to a priest to get forgiven of our sins. We don't need to go to a priest to ask God to to intervene in our lives, to declare something, to bless something, to do anything. We have an intermediary, the intermediary, Jesus Christ. And we go straight to Him in prayer. Anyway, that was a lot to cram in, but I hope it got your appetite wet. We're going to keep going talking about prayer um, for the rest of this month. And I'm excited. And I hope if you remember one thing, I hope you remember more than one thing, but if you only remember one thing, I want it to be this, that your prayers are needed to authorize God's intervention on earth. Our prayers are needed. The Bible says that God... Covets our prayers. We just, oh man, I can, I'm going to get started all over again. Our prayers are an important part of what God can do on earth in our lives and the lives around us. And I didn't even get into the fact that you have the most authority in your own life and in your own family's life. And so that's where you can start and you can declare with the most absolute potency and authority what's going on. So let's close with two minutes of prayer. You have authority to to release God's supernatural in your life. My prayer, I hope that praying right now with purpose is easier than praying at the beginning of today's message because you can see why you have so many different reasons to pray that the time should go by much faster. Let's quick, let's all pray.